All right, everybody, it is good to be back together again after uh, doing that conference the last, over the last month. And so we're going to do these um, Ask a Leader questions tonight, a Q&A session, and there's two questions that we had from the last time that we didn't get to, and they were good questions, so we're going to start out with those. And so if you remember, the, uh, the way that this will work tonight is we'll read the questions. What's up, Josiah? We'll read the questions, and uh, then we'll attempt to answer them from the Bible. You know, we believe here at this church that Scripture is sufficient and that it provides an answer to all the questions of life. And so it's practical as well. And so um, if there's other questions that we have, like from the answer, you know, feel free to go ahead and raise your hand and ask that, try to get further clarification. But we want to do these types of nights to help you guys because we know that sometimes as we preach through the word verse by verse, we don't actually get to hit every single topic. And so uh, this gives an opportunity for questions that you have to be answered. So let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time and then we'll get to these first two questions. Father in heaven, to you be all glory and honor. And we thank you for letting us gather tonight and have time to discuss theology, to, to wonder about this life and how your word instructs us in it. Uh, we know that you made us with such a capacity, uh, the capacity to have questions that we are not like you. We don't know all things. And so we ask for mercy that you would give to us understanding, that you would show us, Holy Spirit, how sufficient the eternal word is, and that you would grant us understanding for Christ's glory's sake. And may you be honored and may you sanctify us all for Christ's glory. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Okay. So like I was saying, we had two uh, really good questions from last time, so we wanted to address these ones first, and then we'll get to the, the new ones that you guys had. This first one reads this. It says, In the Garden of Eden, did the carnivores have to eat other animals to live? So I think that is a really good question because it implies something. It implies that you've been taught that there was no death before the fall, which is a, a right thing that, that Christians teach. Um, and it's very helpful to think about this because if you are one day, you know, engaging someone who's not a believer about the Bible and perhaps an atheist, and they, an atheist who knows how to ask uh, Christians questions and especially wants to get Christians upset and get them to uh, question their faith or especially the type of person who's grown up in church and then no longer believes and walks away from it, they struggle with these types of Questions. And what this question is really asking here is, is yeah, is, is was there death in the Garden of Eden? And how did animals survive um, at that point? And I know that actually my, um, my personal view on this has actually changed over time. And it's not something, though, that I want to be dogmatic about. So I think that even if, you know, the answer that I'm going to provide for you, I'll try to show, I'll share both sides of the, this equation just briefly. But there's room to disagree with brothers. This isn't a, an issue where you have to divide over um, what you ever think, whatever you think the answer to this question is. So, as I was saying, the question implies something because obviously you would think carnivores eat other animals. That's just how we we know that uh, lions eat goats and 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 tigers eat you know other whatever animals are in the Indian jungle. I don't know. Um, so the question implies that we've been taught that there is no death. There was no death uh, before the fall. And that, like I said, that I think is the most popular position 
in Christianity, that that's the position that most Christians hold. It's the position that I for sure held, that there was no, um, not even any animal death before the fall. But I don't know if I'm going to hold to that so tightly anymore, at least. Um, so what you have happening is, there are two choices. Are It's either that, yes, there was animal death before the fall, or no, there was no animal death before the fall. The reason you would say no is because, you know, God made a covenant with, entered into a covenant with Adam and said, when you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then you will die. And so before that, you know, there, presumably there would be no death at all. But most Christians, most theologians, even believe that there was plant death before that. Because obviously you would have to eat a plant, you eat fruit, and so there's plant death. That is usually allowed. But many Christians, perhaps even most, would say that there were no animals that died before that, that time period. And there's, um, there's a reason for that, uh, the reason being that Adam and Eve were only told to eat fruit and vegetables. They're not explicitly told to eat animals that we, read, that we read of in those beginning chapters of Genesis. And then you also have texts like in Isaiah that talk about the lion laying down with the lamb when, in the new heavens. And so if you take that literally, then you think, oh, well, you know, at some point in the past when God first made all creation, maybe lions and lambs lived together like that. And they come with all sorts of reasons, like, you know, um, they just, they would say then that lions and tigers, uh, sharks, whatever, um, that they would just have eaten plant life before the fall. Now, again, like I said, that's the most popular view. I don't know that it's necessarily true for us to hold to that. What I would say is that we have to be dogmatic about there being no human death before the fall, um, because, the, and we remember too that God made, we're a creature, God is the creator, but even though we are creatures, we're different than the other creatures that God made, all the animals, Adam was over all of them, right, he had dominion over all of them, and so it could be that there was animal death um, before the fall, and like a lion would hunt uh, an elk like he normally would, even now, and but a lion wouldn't kill a man before the fall because a man had dominion. It's not that a man would necessarily have to kill a lion either. Um, I don't think, you know, people never really eat lions. There was animals for food even back then that they could have ate. So it could be that, that, it, was, that it was allowed. If you think of um, when Jesus, you know, performed the miracle, he used bread and fish you know, if, if it was such so bad to eat fish, if they were not going to eat fish in the new heavens, the new earth, and the animals, and maybe he wouldn't have done that. But there's just, there's not a really, there's not a lot of things to make us say for certain, uh, one way or the other. The thing that I kind of always think about is like, what about animals like anteaters? Like, could they have ate grass with their like super, yeah, or like a spider? Like, um, certain, certain, certain insects only live on like decomposing of their animals. So, so in my perspective, I think that it would be that it's within the scope of scripture to say that there could have been animal death before the fall. Um, even in the sense that like, if there was animal death, then that would prov- provide a framework of what death meant for Adam and Eve. Like when God said, you will surely die. Well, how would he even really know what that means if, if there is no animal death? So there's that aspect too. This is kind of philosophical. It would also be interesting then to think like if sacrifices were instituted after and you would see these animals killing themselves, 
how is his blood saving me? We've been through this all the time through each other. Like, how can this cover me? Like, yeah, that's, you would look at it and just realize it's not enough. Because it would, yeah, it would be normal. Well, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be normal in the sense that that it's not being. It, that's not specifically for that. Like it was told that was, came through special revelation. So the idea of an animal being sacrificed and like Cain so and Abel. Well, no, because I mean you see Cain and Abel doing that, right? Okay, right. So so that's that's right away as far as we know. Yeah. I mean, twenty years. Who knows how long? So so that's the other thing. That's the other thing that um, that we don't know about. That's kind of hard to say. How long did it take before the fall to happen? Two minutes. Yeah. If it was if it was like super quick then maybe there wasn't any animal death and maybe you know, there's no worry about Adam stepping on a, on a little frog or something like that and killing it accidentally uh, because it just the fall came so fast. Who knows? But we don't know. I mean, if they lived for an extended period of time, I think that would definitely lead to the assumption, to the belief that there was animal death. But again, the point being that we want to be firm as Christians say that there was no human death because the way that humans died was through Adam's disobedience. Adam was in covenant with God and when he ate, that's when death came upon him. And it is also true though that Adam's death did affect the animal kingdom. It affected the whole world, the all of creation because Adam had dominion over all of, all of creation. And so now, you know, after that, then animals would, you know, the, people could even be attacked by animals and, and killed. So it did change things. Adam's fall did change things for carnivores. But I imagine like a T-Rex. I mean, there was just T-Rexes like then. Up to the lion, just expecting it not to like do anything and then it kills you. It's just like, whoa. Well, I'm sure he was aware of the reality that at that point that lions were not to be messed with, you know, mm-hmm. and other things. So, okay, so that's my take on Any other questions on that? I think so. I think it could go either way. I think that you could be within Orthodox Christianity and say, Carnivores did kill each other before the fall. Yeah. Could you drown before they ate of the fruit? No, you couldn't die, right? There is no death. Whoa. I know. You but there was the... Be- <laughs> does nothing. I know. So that, those sort of aspects, those questions are good to ask, but it's like, why would you do that? You know, I mean, you wouldn't do that you because you're... Yeah, thinking because you wouldn't think about it. I stuck my hand in a beehive on my way to the tree. To go the, the bees would just... Because Not sting you, I suppose. Yeah, it's it's weird to think about so that. Like mosquitoes wouldn't st- wouldn't bite you. Okay, so they bite you because that's because not bees death. don't that's bite you. I have dominion over you. Get away. From you me. definitely weren't allergic to bees, <laughs> so yes. yeah. Yeah, but you would no, 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 wouldn't have pain though. Like mosquitoes. Yeah. Yeah. Mosquitoes. yeah. So I have those things we don't always we don't understand all those fine details. Yeah. Do they have pain? Do T-Rex? Did you have a question, John? Hold on a second. If you jumped into a pool of lava, you wouldn't die. I guess the thing is, so, so when we think about, okay, maybe we frame it like this. So, like, because those questions could get out of hand almost. We ask sometimes the question, can, can, God, can God do all things, right? Can God, you know, make a rock too big that he can't carry? And so the answer that we would say is that God can do all of his holy will. Uh, you, there's no reason God, would make a, God wouldn't make a rock that's too big for him to carry because that would be foolish. Like, what's the point of even doing that? And so I think the way that we would answer these questions about, well, what if you jumped off a cliff or if you, would you jump into a pool of lava? Mankind, in his created righteousness at that point, wouldn't do something foolish like that anyways. Mm-hmm. But if it accidentally I happened, would. you wouldn't die. <laughs> if you were just taking a nice walk with Eve in the garden and there was a lava pit right there, we, have no we should probably assume... Quicksand. 
there was none of that in the garden as well. Okay, so, so here's a second question from last time, okay? So if you guys are ready to move on. This is another good question. So it says, if everything is predetermined, why should I try to be good or trust in God because everything is already decided? So again, if everything, excuse me, is already pre, if everything is predetermined, why should I try to be good or trust in God because everything is already decided? So the first thing I want to say about this question is we're going to change it a little bit. We're going to operate under the assumption that everything is, in fact, predetermined, right? Because the question is, says if everything is predetermined. And so we'd appeal to like Ephesians 1.11 where it says God works all things according to the counsel of his will. Or in Acts 2 when Peter preaches and, and at Pentecost and 3,000 people get saved and he tells them that, that they delivered up Jesus according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, meaning that if, if everything happened according to Jesus, God's plan about Jesus being sacrificed and crucified there on the cross, that everything leading up to that had to have been within God's plan as well too, just saying that, that everything is, again, predetermined. Um, or that, you know, or like King Nebuchadnezzar's profession about God, that, that nobody can stay his hand, God does what he wants. Proverbs say that the heart of the king is in the is like a stream of water in the Lord's hand. He turns it wherever he wishes. So everything is predetermined. So let's, so let's do away with the if part. So the question is, ever, since everything is predetermined, why should I try to be good or trust in God? Because everything is already decided. And I think the question, again, gives us another clue as to the complexity of this issue. This is a, a difficult question. Um, people have struggled with this sort of a question ever since I... You know, people started really understanding what the Bible was teaching. But it does say, that there's, there's an implication in the question that I noticed. is why should I try to be good or trust? And so, to me, whoever wrote this question, there's an acknowledgement that you do act. You're, you, you are noticing yourself that you are trying to be good. And so what Scripture ultimately teaches is that we do have choices, we are choices and we have responsibility for our choices. We're held accountable for our choices. Nevertheless, God is completely sovereign and he has decreed everything that will ever happen. And we don't understand exactly, perfectly, how these things are true, yet we know them to be true. For like the past examples that I've, some that I've already mentioned, like with Jesus, how he was delivered up according to the definite plan of foreknowledge of God. We've talked about before in Isaiah, when Israel is coming under judgment and God is going to raise up Assyria to go and attack Israel, I think this is Isaiah 10, he calls um, Assyria the axe in his hand, but he says, and you know, he's going to be chopping at Israel with Assyria, but he says that Assyria doesn't do it for God's glory. They have the desire in their heart to do it. It's what they wanted to do. And so... God is going to judge Assyria on the back end of that because, you know, they were going against Israel out of their own selfish motives. Nevertheless, it was God's plan and will for them to do that. So these two truths exist side by side. The question for us is why should I try to be good or trust in God because everything's already decided is because God's revealed to us that that's what we should do. He's told us that plainly in his word, that we should keep the commandments that we should love the Lord our God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, 
and that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. Not that we do not that we do those things to save ourselves, or that we can even do them fully at all. Uh, we have to ask God for grace to to be obedient and, and mercy from Him, so that we may be even able to keep the law. But God has simply told us to to be good, to be moral to obey his wise laws. And he has told us that we should trust in him. Right? He says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So, so the, the question you ask yourself is, well, do I want knowledge? Do I want to be wise? Do I, not, do I want to not be under the wrath of God? Well, then, if the answer to those things is yes, then you know what you should do, right? Have faith in Christ. Faith isn't obedience. Obedience flows out of faith. And so if your faith is in God, you know, you would desire to be obedient. Um, at the same time, this doctrine, and this is what it is really, this doctrine that God is sovereign and control of all things he predestined or anything, is not something that should cause us to stress out and wonder, like, why should I try to do anything? It should really be a source of comfort and joy for us because we know that God is sovereign. And so if he asks, if he, for example, you know, why should we pray if God is sovereign and everything happens according to his plan? Well, because he's asked us to pray. And God uses means to accomplish his will. By that, um, if you think about the, the example I mentioned with Assyria, God's will was to bring judgment upon Israel. Assyria was the means for it to happen. God's will, let's say, you know, hopefully we're all praying for somebody that we know to receive Christ, to be saved, that God be merciful to them. Well, if they're elect, they were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, right? Ephesians 1.4. That's clear to us. We see that. But then why should we pray for them? Well, because our, our prayers are also ordained by God as well. And then that's the means by which God, why should we share the gospel with them and be praying with them? Well, because God has ordained also that we go and talk to them, that we pray for them as well. So God's predestined things. He predestines the means as well too. And when it comes to should I do good, again, God has told us plainly, you should, this is what you should do. And if you do bad, just know that, I mean, that's, of course, that's under God's sovereignty as well, but you know that comes with a cost. And so I don't know how all these things work perfectly together, but I know that if you do bad, if you sin, God also tells us to repent. So repent and, and look to him. I know, it's a difficult question, but hopefully that helps some. Any follow-up on that? Do I need to try to clarify anything? God's ordaining their little whispers right now. That's what it is, too. <laughs> All right, on to the new questions. If these are just super bad, I'm going to pre-read them before I read them out loud. <laughs> wow. Oh, good. This one even, this one, this question even has a trolling answer. As included into it. So, is it possible, I'll read the question, is it possible, or, yeah, yeah, is it possible to wrap your mind around the fact that God existed before time? <clears throat> so, What's the the, answer? Uh, it says, troll, why does nodding your head mean yes, no, 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 but no. shaking your head means no? People had to write one Oh, this is yours. Okay. No, that's not mine, but I gave <laughs> no, them the rule. Them, oh, you gave them the, the rule. So they wrote us both on the same Yeah, instead of getting a second. So the real one, the first one, 
first question is, is the, the real, real one. Question. The second one's the troll is the troll question. question. Yeah. Okay, so the real question. So good question then. Um, there's something. There's a way that people have talked about understanding God in the past, and it's the difference between um, comprehending and apprehending. So apprehending, and if I'm, hopefully I'm not getting this backwards, apprehending would mean like a complete understanding. You apprehend something. Um, comprehending means that, okay, you're thinking about it, you're able to get the general idea. I might be doing that backwards. Is that right? To, that that sounds s- right to me. It sounds right. I have no okay. idea. So with a, something like the fact that God is outside of time, that he existed before time exists, you can't even, it's such a mind-blowing question, right? Because there's, there's time words in the question. Trap your mind the fact that God existed before time. Before is a time word. Before, like, the word before means nothing before time started. Does that make sense? So, so it's mind-blowing. So you can't, you you can't, can't apprehend the whole concept, but you can begin to comprehend it. Because God has made us in his image. He's given us an intellect that is not obviously perfect, but it can begin so to think of these things. You can't. We are we are creatures that are bound by by time. Um, it's impossible for us to to not think outside of it. Okay. Next question. Okay. Are people born gay? Um, today, this is a question that some people are going to say yes to. Uh, yeah. From what from what I know from my knowledge, I don't I haven't looked at this recently, but I know that there was tests like scientific tests in the past that try to say like is there like a gay gene or something like that, and they were the answer was no, they weren't able to find that. I, I would still think that that's obviously the case. They're not going to be able to find that. Um, people aren't born, so this is difficult to answer. I know a kid who was my dad's my dad's best friend, his son. At a very young age, I want to say like three, he was you know, very feminine, always wore his mom's shoes, always wanted to play with his older sister's toys, and he is now a ballerina in the San Francisco, um, I don't, whatever their the theater is, ballet, yeah. Um, very, ta- very talented, uh, but, you know, gay, full-on homosexual. And... The, the reality of the answer is that people are born dead in their sins, right? We, are, we have inherited guilt from Adam because when Adam sinned in the garden, he represented all of mankind. He's what's called our federal head. And so everybody died in him. Uh, we all are born in our sin. There's, the Psalms talk about that, how we were born in iniquity. And the reality is, is that is, displays itself in different ways, uh, so no one is technically born, I mean, it's hard to say, like, yeah, again, born gay. I mean, you have to learn that. But a, a person, I think, could be born with the propensity to desire that. Um, and because that's just part of their fallen nature, their, their nature that has fallen. Yeah, ultimately, yeah, if we go back to the God is sovereign question, I mean, it's not, God's not surprised by any of this, right? And as a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 1, it says that people in their wickedness were given over to homosexuality. And so it's, God, it's a form of God's you know, judgment on mankind. 
But we also know as well that when God saves a person and causes them to be born again, that sin can go away. You know, that sin can, cannot define a person. If, you're, if you know someone who's gay now, it doesn't mean, or who's attracted to the same gender, it doesn't mean that they're always going to be that way. They might, it might always be a temptation or something, but like people, you're not always going to be gay because it's not inherent to you. If you're saved, then you can be freed from that sin. Just like, you know, someone who's an alcoholic before they come to Christ can be freed from that sin. They're no longer an alcoholic because they're in Christ. They're, the person who's homosexual can no longer be gay because they're in Christ. So, born with is is difficult to say. It, it's kind of an answer is kind of a, a no, yes, um, because you're you're born with sin, and that sin just will display itself in many different ways. But you're not. Um, there's not like a gene that makes you that way. It's just your sin. It's your dis. It's, to be gay is to have a disordered desire, right? It does. If sin does manifest differently in different people. So, th- I mean, there is a sense in which, you know, we might say that all sin is sin, but there's also a sense in, in, as well when we say that there is differentiates, uh, dif- there is difference is in sin, the different, different levels of wickedness and evilness. Um, but, yeah, so born specifically gay, it's, it's, there's not a gene for that. There's not, I, you can come out of it. So, you're born either a man or a woman. You're born either a you know, male or female. And your desires may or may not be in line with God's design. And even if your desires are in line with God's design as far as gender, that doesn't mean that you're going to be free from sexual sin in that regard either. Good to move on? Okay. Okay. How important is it that we avoid watching inappropriate TV shows? For instance, do we need to avoid shows with excessive swearing or sexual reference? It's a good question. Uh, you know, in, in some sense, you know, we want to say that we're free in Christ, but we're not to use our freedom in Christ as a license to sin. Uh, what, you know, Romans 6, 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? No. Well, are some shows sinful? Are they glorifying sin? Yes. Uh, there was recently, there's a pastor that I like who's in the news right now. I've been, you know, helped by a lot because he preached a sermon recently and he said a, a curse word in it. And, and everybody's talking about it. Yeah, he did. He said that the woke church is... Uh, you call them that expletive. And, you know, we're not, but we are told in Scripture to let no unedifying word come out of our mouth. And really the sad thing about it is like everybody now, he could have said something different and made the same point, but everybody's just talking about, oh, this pastor who is using curse words and just what sort of a testimony is that. Um, there are some times, you know, when I think you could watch a movie where it has some things, violence in it and, and some things, and it, it, it's not going to be a waste of your time. Like the Passion of Christ. I don't you know, watch the Passion of Christ because that has images of Jesus in it, and I think that's a second commandment violation. But I used to watch that movie, so 
Yeah, there you go. Um, that's violent, though. And the Bible's filled with violence. The Bible's filled with, with horrible sexual acts, even, you know, evil acts. Um, so, again, so it has to be, but, like, are you viewing this because it's entertainment? There's one thing, you know, when I think of, too, like, is the show, is it glorifying? Is it saying this is good? Or is it saying, like, oh, look, this is a bad guy. This is what the bad guy is doing. That kind of makes some sense, too. But there are some times when, you know, things are just gratuitous. And they're, they're there to entice your flesh. And we need to remember that um, we are prone to sin. That, that we, we shouldn't overestimate our power to uh, resist temptation. And so if you know, a TV show is going to put you in a position or a movie, a position where temptation to sin is going to be a problem for you, then you need to be wise about that. I mean, doctors and nurses see n- naked people all the time, right? So it's, there's contexts, you know? You have to think of context. And there are some shows that are, and movies, I suppose, that are just really wicked. You have to use discernment and wisdom. I don't want to say, you know, it might be different for different people as well, too. But there are some things, and probably just say all people shouldn't do that. Like, nobody should be watching pornography, obviously, right? So... It's a good question, and it's one that you have to struggle with, and I think personally be praying through and being aware of, you know. One thing that I always kind of think of, too, is would I, God knows that I'm doing this. Would I be ashamed knowing that God knows that I'm doing this, that I'm watching this, and go from there. Time, how time are we doing on time? 806. We'll do one more. Okay. This is a good question. Um, how do you try, and we have a lot of questions left, so maybe we'll do this again. We'll, we, we'll revisit this at the beginning of November, but we won't do any new questions because there's literally like 15 questions left. Although I'll make sure that these aren't all the troll questions, and then we'll think about new ones. So this question says, how do you, we'll close with this one. How do you try convincing a Mormon to be a Christian? So in, in some regard, I would say um, just the same way you try to convince anybody, right? You tell them the gospel. They have to be confronted with the reality that, they're, that they are a sinner and that salvation can only come through Jesus Christ. And that's where it gets a little bit more tricky because Mormons would say they believe in Jesus, right? But it's not the biblical Jesus. So you then have to explain to them who the biblical Jesus is, that Jesus really is God. And you take them to the important texts in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that would testify to that. So there is. So if you know you're going to be engaging with Mormons, it would be helpful to know what they actually believe. That would help you. But that's again, that's a secondary help because even if you even if you don't know exactly what they believe, if you spent your time knowing what the Bible teaches, then you would be able to know when they're wrong just by them telling you what they believe because you know what the word actually says. So if you're wanting to win, win a Mormon, just the normal way, uh, you tell them the gospel, that, that they are in sin and separated from God, and that in order for them to be right with God, it's only through uh, faith, through repentance and faith in Christ because he 
lived a holy life, never once sinned, and then died on the cross for all those who would for all who would believe in him. And then he was buried and he was raised on the third day for our justification. So you would you would just you try to get back to the gospel and then when they say, Oh, well this is what I believe, if you know the gospel, if you know God's word, then you'd be able to say, Oh well, no, actually God's word says this. Let me go from there. Anything else? Follow up? How about a Jehovah Witness? Same thing. Same thing for Jehovah's Witness. Satanist. <laughs> we also have to know sometimes, too, that um, you know, you, there comes a time when we have to understand that you, know, you could be casting your pearls before a swine, before a swine, right? The Bible tells us not to, to do that. Like, if it, if it seems like it's going to go nowhere, then you don't, it's not, it's ultimately, it's not your job to make someone a Christian, right? Your job, our job, my job is simply to tell people the truth. Uh, we were going through 1 Corinthians on Sunday mornings, was Paul says he planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So our job, our work is simply to tell the truth to, as it is in Christ, to, to, to proclaim the good news and be praying for that person because ultimately if it's going to happen, it's because the Holy Spirit and fills them and causes them to see the truth as it is in Christ. Okay? Okay. Let's pray, you guys. Good job. Again, we'll, we'll revisit these again next week. That was, that was fun. Father in heaven, we thank you for time to consider your word. Let us give ourselves over to considering it more, Lord. We have 24 hours in a day, and I know that we use our time unprofitably, unprofitably. Uh, often. Help us, though, to redeem the time. We know the days are evil, and we want to glorify your great and holy name. So please help us to think rightly about this world, and help us to honor you and glorify you in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.